Mrs. Darling was married in white, and at first she kept the books perfectly, almost gleefully, as if it were a game, not so much as a Brussels sprout went missing. But by and by, whole cauliflowers dropped out, and instead of them, there were pictures of babies without faces. She drew them when she should have been totting up. They were Mrs. Darling's guesses. Wendy came first, then John, then Michael. For a week or two after Wendy came, it was doubtful whether they would be able to keep her, as she was another mouth to feed. Mr. Darling was frightfully proud of her, but he was very honourable, and he sat on the edge of Mrs. Darling's bed, holding her hand and calculating expenses, while she looked at him imploringly. She wanted to risk it, come what might, but that was not his way. His way was with a pencil and a piece of paper, and if she confused him with suggestions, he had to begin at the beginning again. Now don't interrupt, he would beg of her. I have one pound seventeen here and two and six at the office. I can cut off my coffee at the office, say ten shillings, making two nine and six. With your eighteen and three makes three nine and seven. With five naught naught in my checkbook makes eight nine seven. Who is that moving? Eight, nine, seven, dot, and carry seven. Don't speak, my own. And the pound you lent me to that man who came to the door. Quiet, child, dot, and carry, child. There, you've done it. Did I say nine, nine, seven? Yes, I said nine, nine, seven. The question is, can we try it for a year on nine, nine, seven? Of course we can, George, she cried. But she was prejudiced in Wendy's favour, and he was really the grander character of the two. Remember Mumps, he warned her almost threateningly, and off he went again. Mumps, one pound. That is what I have to put down, but I dare say it will be more like thirty shillings. Don't speak. Measles, one five. German measles, half a guinea, makes two fifteen six. Don't waggle your finger. Hooping cough, say fifteen shillings. And so on it went, and it added up differently each time. But as Wendy just got through, with mumps reduced to twelve and six, and the two kinds of measles treated as one, there was the same excitement over John and Michael had an even narrower squeak, but both were kept, and soon you might have seen the three of them going in a row to Miss Fulsom's kindergarten school accompanied by their nurse. Mrs Darling loved to have everything just so, and Mr Darling had a passion for being exactly like his neighbours, so of course they had a nurse. As they were poor, owing to the amount of milk the children drank, this nurse was a prim Newfoundland dog called Nana, who had belonged to no one in particular until the darlings engaged her. She had always thought children important, however, and the darlings had become acquainted with her in Kensington Gardens, where she spent most of her spare time peeping into perambulators 
and was much hated by careless nursemaids, whom she followed to their homes and complained of to their mistresses. She proved to be quite a treasure of a nurse. How thorough she was at bath time, and up at any moment of the night if one of her charges made the slightest cry. Of course her kennel was in a nursery. She had a genius for knowing when a cough is a thing to have no patience with, and when it needs stocking around your throat. She believed her last day in old-fashioned remedies like rhubarb leaf, and made sounds of contempt over all this newfangled talk about germs and so on. It was a lesson in propriety to see her escorting the children to school, walking sedately by their side when they were well behaved, and butting them back into line if they strayed. On John's footer...